Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, we are reminded in the Gospels that that God is present. You are here in this place. You are real. And you, you want so much more for us. You long to see us deeply connected. You want our story to be better than I've known him for 30 years, but I don't really know him. And so today I pray over our gathering. Holy Spirit, would you unleash generous amounts of mercy and grace? Would you make this a safe place for us to do business with the Spirit of God? And I pray that the the Word of God would do the work of God in us today. And so, have your way, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start with a, uh, a question. It's, it, it, I'm presuming a little bit, uh, but I'm going to go for it. When did you learn not to take risks relationally? When did you learn not to put yourself out there, to be vulnerable, to let somebody else or others see your weakness, your struggle. Can you remember back when you had an incident, an interaction, an exchange in your life, and it didn't go so well? Maybe it scarred you. It wounded you. It shaped you. In that moment, you learned it's not safe to be who I really am. It's not safe to share what's really going on in me. I'm going to guess that most of us have had more than one of those experiences. When did that happen for you? And the question is, are you going to allow that incident or those incidents to continue to shape you, to keep you from living a bigger story relationally with God and with others? Are you going to let those childhood, adolescent, young adult incidents that hurt you, where you felt rejected, you felt left out, left behind, ridiculed, um, criticized, made fun of, and you built a wall around yourself. Some of you have walls built up all around you. You want others to be vulnerable with you. You want others to let you in. And you're willing to let others in, but maybe about 50%. Some of you maybe 60%. Most of us, 90%. But... When we go through life, 
and we don't let others in. We know there's something deep in there we know we're not really known. And if we're not really known, we can't really be loved authentically for who we are. And so what was it for you? Quick story. One of the incidents that shaped me was fourth grade. I had a crush on Valerie Bennett, Montclair Elementary School in Oakland, California. I was too chicken to ask her, so I had my buddy Donnie Steele. I wrote a note. Will you go steady with me? I gave it to Donnie. Donnie took it to Valerie. Valerie opened it up and told Donnie, go tell him to go soak his head in a bucket of dog dew. <laughs> so Donnie came back and told me to go soak my head in a bucket of dog dew. And that scarred me. I'm like, girls, you suck. I, am, I don't want to have anything to do with girls ever again. I took a risk. I put it out there. I was like, let's go steady. What was I, 10 years old? And I learned something that day. Wow, to be vulnerable, to put yourself out there doesn't always work out. And so then you're left a little more guarded, a little less out there, a little less free, locked up rather than freed up, right? And we all could tell our stories. But here's what vulnerability, how I'm defining it. It's uncertainty. Vulnerability is uncertainty. It's risk. It's emotional exposure. It's putting yourself out there. It's moving from hiding, pretending to have it all together. It's moving beyond this image that I want others to think that I am when I'm not. And so, borrowing from this book, Daring Greatly, Brené Brown lists in one of her chapters the four myths of vulnerability, the four myths. And we're going to look at these, and then we're going to jump into Mark chapter 10. Here's the four myths of vulnerability, according to Brené Brown. Number one, and they're myths. Don't, don't miss that word, myths. The myths of vulnerability. Number one, vulnerability is weakness. It's weakness. So we don't put ourselves out there. We don't let others see our struggles, our weaknesses, because that they would think of us as being weak. And we don't want to be perceived as weak. To share your weakness is to make yourself vulnerable. But to make yourself vulnerable is actually to show your strength. It takes courage. It takes strength to be vulnerable. It's a myth. If you think that sharing a struggle it equals weakness. Number two, I don't do vulnerability. That's most of the guys in the room. I don't do vulnerability. I'm a guy. I protect myself. I'm not going to risk being wounded. And I love this quote by Madeline LaEngle. She's a great writer if you're not familiar with her. Here's what she writes. When we were children, we used to think that when we were grown up, we would no longer be vulnerable. But to grow up is to accept vulnerability. To be alive is to be vulnerable. Wow. You want to be fully alive? 
Get vulnerable with others. Get vulnerable with God. Number three myth of vulnerability. Vulnerability is letting it all hang out. Some of us think, oh, that's what it means. I just got to throw it all out there. Uh, No, it's not. Vulnerability is sharing our feelings and experiences with people who have earned our trust, who have earned the right to hear them. So what does that mean? It means we don't lead with, hi, I'm John, and here's my darkest secret and struggle. That's called being desperate. <laughs> In fact, some people do that to, to seek attention, and that's, that's not healthy. That's like oversharing when you first meet someone and you just throw it out there. But vulnerability is not letting it all hang out. It's about sharing appropriately with people who we've developed a relationship with, right? A trust, a connection with. And then here's the fourth myth of vulnerability. We can go it alone. I don't need other people. I don't need other people to know what's really going on in me. In fact, I can go it alone. It's this kind of rugged individualism. But again, if you read the Bible, it's all about one another, one another, one another. We were made to know and be known, to to love and be loved, to celebrate and be celebrated. But being known, really, it's risky, it's scary. For those of us, and that's probably all of us, we have along the way, somewhere along the way, we've been scarred, we've been wounded, we've been rejected, we've been made fun of. And so we learn to put up the walls around us. But we keep thinking that that's okay. We can go it alone. There's a a writer, John Acuff. He's written five books. He's got three million followers on his blog. And here's a quote from him. I just read this past week. He says, quick confession about friends. This might sound silly, but for years I didn't think I needed friends. Somewhere along the way, I picked up the misguided notion that you should be able to do it all on your own. I didn't want to bother people. I didn't want to jump into the messiness of friendship because it was easier to build my own little world that I can control. Can anybody relate to that? He goes on to write, In moments of stress, I'd isolate even more. Over the years, I have learned how much I actually need people. I need friends. I need relationships. In moments of stress, hiding is the last thing that helps me. Let me say that last line. In moments of stress, hiding is the last thing that helps me. And then he says, it turns out I was wrong all those years. I wonder if that might be speaking, connecting, resonating with somebody right here, right now in this room. Vulnerability, it, it, it opens us up. I, I just, I hope to inspire you, motivate you, 
today to not resist it. Even if you've been hurt, wounded, scarred, but maybe today you would lean into this idea of vulnerability. It opens us up to breakthroughs and healing, to living and becoming fully alive. It really does. Not always. Sometimes you're vulnerable and you get stepped on. I got stepped on last night at a wedding when I was vulnerable. I, I, I had a woman come up to me and just kind of lay into me. I was like, whoa, just criticizing me. And it, it hurt. I wish I wasn't a Christian in that moment. <laughs> but vulnerability has the power to open you up for a healing in your life emotionally, for a breakthrough where you're stuck. And you're stuck in the same place. And maybe the reason you're still stuck after all these weeks, months, years is because you haven't opened up to somebody. You haven't let others in to share your pain, your struggle, your fears. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 42. And then they reached Jericho. Let me just stop right there. I know it's, it's on the screen later, but I'm going to just go for it now. As they reached Jericho, what do we know about Jericho? What's significant in the history of God, the people of God? Do you remember what happened in Jericho? Isn't that the place where the walls came tumbling down? Isn't that the place where miracles happen? Victories are won. Enemies are overcome. This week when I was preparing this, I thought, that's my dream. I want Ocean Hills to become a Jericho. I want Ocean Hills to become a church, a community, a place where you and I feel safe enough to let the walls come down. And when we do, that we see miracles happen in our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships. We see victory, victory happen over addiction, victory happen over, over incredible odds, adversity in our lives, opposition in our life. We see the enemy destroyed in our life, no longer having a foothold. That, that's my dream, that, that Ocean Hills would become a, known for being a Jericho, a place where people get real. People get honest. People allow the walls that have been built up over the years to come down because the work of God is happening. We're not just checking the box, up, oh, went to church. No, something real is happening in this place. That's our prayer this morning. Something significant, even supernatural, would happen in your heart this morning. That you'd actually, I prayed this, that you'd walk out of this place different than when you walked in because maybe, possibly, you'd exercise faith enough to let your walls down before God this morning. Jericho, it's the place where walls come down. Maybe this morning that might happen. Mark chapter 10, let's go. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
be quiet. Many of the people yelled at him, scolded him. But he only shouted, what's it say? Louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on. He's calling you. He's calling you. And I believe that Jesus calls us, not just Bartimaeus 2,000 years ago, but today Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. He's in this place and he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And maybe I can ask you that same question. Imagine Jesus asking you this morning, what do you want me to do for you? Really, what do you want Jesus to do for you? My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go. Go, go, go. Your faith has healed you. Healed you, And instantly, what a word, instantly. There's breakthroughs. There's healing. There's miracles that happen when Jesus is in this place. Instantly, the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Wow. So the power of vulnerability. Let's learn a few lessons from the blind man, Bartimaeus. Let me, here's a few reflections. Number one, vulnerability. Vulnerability is asking for help. Look at verse 47. It says that he cried out to Jesus. He, what was he doing? He was asking for help. Have mercy on me. Help me, help me, help me. Now, I don't know about you, but Asking for help feels weak, doesn't it? It it just feels kind of weak. When was the last time you asked for help? This this actually is preaching to myself right now. I'm not a guy who asks for help. I I don't know. It it does. It feels like you're exposing yourself of being incompetent, like you don't have what it takes. So we don't ask for help. It feels vulnerable. It does feel risky to, to pick up the phone and ask for help. What's holding you back from asking for help, from what it is that deeper issue is in your life? It takes vulnerability. Vulnerability is asking for help. I have a few stories here, but I'm running out of time. I've got to keep going. Number two is vulnerability is risking rejection, verse 48. It's risking rejection. Notice in the story, he kept shouting despite being ridiculed and rejected. Be quiet. Shut up. Stop it. It says he shouted all the louder. He took a risk. 
He made himself even more vulnerable in the face of opposition. And I just believe that breakthroughs happen when we take risks emotionally. Some of you are stuck in a marriage. There's just no connection anymore. You're married singles, and you're afraid to go there. You're afraid to ask the question. I have a friend who shared with me a few weeks ago. He was, we're stuck. I'm, he goes, I'm not digging my marriage. Been married over 20 years, and we've just grown apart. So we talked about it, and he went, and he had this conversation with his wife. I want more for us. Do you? Do you want more for us? That's risky. Because think about the responses that are possible. Yeah, no. Not interested. You know? Or, I want more. You always want more. I'm never good enough for you. Now there's kind of, whoa, gosh, I shared my heart, and now... I'm to blame for it, right? There's so many different, but he laid it out there and he just reported to me. It's created a breakthrough. That vulnerability, that risk to say, I want more. Risking rejection creates breakthroughs. Maybe at work, it's asking for that promotion. It's interviewing for a new job. It's, oh gosh, what if I don't get the job? It fe- you, there's a vulnerability there, you get it but we're most fully alive when we're taking risks emotionally, when we're risking it out there rather than just slowly dying off. Number three, reflection, vulnerability. It's not only asking for help, risking rejection, but look at verse 50. Vulnerability is throwing aside your false self. What does that mean? It says he threw off his coat, the coat, Why is that significant? Because the coat represented his identity as a beggar, as a blind man. Richard Rohr, he talks about the false self. He says, your false self is how you define yourself outside of love, relationship, divine union, right? So by throwing aside the coat, he was leaving behind that false self, that identity of I am a blind, I'm the blind guy. Now everybody knows me as the blind guy. When he threw off his coat, he was leaving that behind and stepping into a new beginning, a new life. And that's risky because people are going to want to label him. No, you're the blind guy. You don't get a second chance. You can't have a new beginning. We've labeled you. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now because you're the divorced gal, and that's how you're labeled. You're the one who got divorced. You're the one who had the affair. You're the one who's overweight. You're the one who's an alcoholic. You're the one who's unemployed. You're the one who is uneducated and never finished high school or college. And there's a label. There's a false self. That's how you've come to be identified. That's who you think you are. And that's why I love the songs that we sang this morning. They all threaded through, pointing to what we're talking about this morning. I am who you say I am. 
I'm not going to let my mistakes, my failures, my struggles, my addictions define me. I'm going to let God define me. And that's what Bartimaeus does here. He says, I, in a sense, I'm who God says I am, not who the world says I am. I'm a deeply loved child of God. I'm not the blind guy. David Benner, in his book, The True Self, he says, we don't find our true self by seeking it. We find our true self by seeking God. That is so true. It's so good. You missed it. I got to say it again. We don't find our true self by seeking it. We find our true self by seeking God and asking God to help us. For some of us, that feels vulnerable, right? Here's what I want you to do right now. Just maybe write this down if you have a pen. I want to give you some homework. I want you to ask God to help you see what makes you feel most vulnerable. What is it in your life that makes you feel most vulnerable and run for cover? I'm not going there. I'm hiding. I got the walls up. What is it deeper in there? There's a reflection that's necessary for a breakthrough. What is it that's holding me back from being vulnerable before God and a few other trusted, confidant kind of friends? Second question, I want you to spend some time to reflect on the image of yourself to which you were most attached. What is that image you want others to think that you are? What's that about? I'm the athlete. I'm almost 60, but I'm still the athlete who almost played pro hockey. No, you didn't. You played midget hockey. (laughs) But I want everybody to think I played, well, I almost played, you know, And there's some of you that, oh, I would have played pro, but I had a knee injury. Okay, get over yourself. What is this image that I almost, what? And you create this story about yourself. You want other people. Hey, I almost got into Stanford, but I went to Cal State Hayward, okay? That's my story. (laughs) But you know what? Some of you would think more of me if I went to Stanford. What's wrong with our world? You'd think more of me if I went to Harvard instead of I didn't go to college. What? Why? So the question is, reflect on the image of yourself to which you were most attached. What is that? I don't know what that is for you, but but then you got to prep. Why? Why do I want others to think I'm When the reality is, you know what, I'm not really. I got the happiest marriage. Look at my Instagram. And yet, man, I'm ready to divorce him. Okay. Last reflection. Vulnerability is speaking, verse 51, about your deepest pain. Verse 51, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? He, he lets them into his deepest pain, which is his blindness. He says, I want to see His blindness made him an outcast, lonely, painful, and yet he talks about it. I want to see. He let others in. He let Jesus in. He spoke about his deepest pain. Have you ever done that? Have you ever taken that risk with a friend 
with a spouse, with a parent, with a child, to say, I'm so lonely. I'm so, you fill in the blank. I have a secret nobody knows about. A few years ago, we took a group of men on a mentoring retreat up to Montana. Some friends have a place up there, and, 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 and above their place, you, you walk up or you, you go up on this little cart thing, but there's a hunter's cabin. And over the course of these five days that we were there, we sent a different group of men up to the hunter's cabin to spend the night. And we had them read a chapter out of Richard Foster's book on the discipline of confession. And, and while they were up there for the night and they built a bonfire, and around that fire, they were invited to confess who they really are and who they really aren't. And they had to decide for themselves, am I going to go there or not? Am I going to choose to be vulnerable with these guys or not? Am I going to choose to let others in or not? And I can tell you, I know at least four guys that would say today that was a moment in time that changed their life. There was a breakthrough that happened in the safety of a few close buddies that I could share honestly, transparently, vulnerably, and to find acceptance and grace and love. If you want a breakthrough in your life, if you want some healing in your life, vulnerability is part of the equation, especially when it comes to relationships. So let me, let me just stop. It's just so great the way this story ends. You know, before Bartimaeus met Jesus, he was stuck sitting on the side of the road. But after he received his sight, he began following Jesus. He had movement in his life towards Jesus. Which of those two phases or phrases describes you right here, right now? Are you stuck sitting beside the road, with secrets, with walls up around you? Are you stuck? Or are you up and moving and following Jesus? And then which one do you want to be? Which one do you want to be? I'm going to invite the band up. I'm going to close this. And as the band comes, would you just bow your head, close your eyes? I'm going to give you a moment to think about what you've heard this morning. To think about what's holding you back? What's holding you back from getting real with God and with a few others? What's holding you back from getting honest, from getting, putting it out there, making yourself vulnerable, letting others get a peek into your struggle, into a weakness, into a temptation, into an addiction? into whatever it is that maybe is crippling you, but you're so scared, so afraid. What will they think? God's going to reject me. Hey, God already knows. God already knows, and he's here with mercy. Did you hear that? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Not once, but twice, Bartimaeus shouts it. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus does. And where you're seated this morning, I'm going to guess that, that you need a little more mercy in your life. There's something going on in your life. And if the mercy of God would be unleashed upon you, would touch your heart, that something would shift in you. You want that. You long for that. I do too. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to cry out to God for his mercy. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Everybody right now. Everybody just in this room, let's stand. I'm going to let you take a risk right now. I never asked somebody to do something I haven't done before. A few years ago, I heard a pastor preach on this text at a conference. I was standing with Rob Limkeman. You guys know Rob, our youth pastor, one of our youth pastors. And, and here's what the, the speaker said. He said, if you're in need of God's mercy, I want you to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I'm standing next to Rob. And it was one of these moments. I'm like, I'm a, I want to do it, but I'm afraid of what Rob's going to think of me. He was standing there and he's going, I want to do it, but my boss is right here. And I'm afraid what he might think of me. And I just remember we grabbed hands and we just together just cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then we just trusted that God knew. God knew what it was we were talking about. Well, I'm not going to ask you to start there. I'm going to ask you right now, right here, if you want Jesus to have mercy on you, to say it under your breath, just in the quietness of your heart. If that's you this morning, would you just say that in the quietness of your heart, right here, right now? Yeah. I'm not going to let you off the hook that easy. Now I'm going to ask you to whisper it. I'm going to ask you to whisper it. If you want the mercy of God unleashed on your heart, on your marriage, on your relationships, on whatever it is, your struggles, your weakness, that you would move to a greater place of vulnerability, closeness, and friendships, that's the longing of your heart. I want you to whisper it. Just whisper it. Jesus. Don't worry about the person next to you. I know you are. We're not done. You know where we're going. You know where we're going. Now you're just going to say it out loud. You're just going to talk it out loud. If you want God's mercy unleashed in your heart, you want to move to a place of greater vulnerability, just say it in a conversational voice with me. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, you guys are good. I believe that the God of heaven right now is listening. I believe that he's bending down to hear who's going to cry out for my mercy today. Who wants help? Who needs help? So now I'm going to ask you to shout it with me. If you mean it, I want you to shout it out. Are you ready? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And now maybe people next to you are going, hey, be quiet. Be quiet. Hey, you loser. No, 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 no. We're not going to listen to the voices around us. We're going to shout it even louder with desperation that we need God's mercy. Let's do it. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me.
Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.